Hey guys, this is the Dad Pod, and we are talking sports, and body shaming is not allowed. I'm Scotty. And I'm Glenn. And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, the Dad Bod Sports Discussion Group, go join it on Facebook, please. If you want to be on future podcasts with us, if you want to give us some insights on what we need to talk about, you can even tell us if we're doing good or bad. We want the opinions. Please go join the group. Fill us in. We also talk sports all day. We welcome all opinions as long as you're open to debate. So we're going to get right into it, guys. We do not allow any politics or any trolling on our group. And here we're going to start with the NFL season predictions. So let's go right into the big story, of course. Brady and Gronk going to Tampa Bay. Brady going, Gronk following. What do you think? Well, I'm going to start off with uh, I was sick and tired of seeing Tom Brady destroy my team every single season. I'm glad he's gone. Uh, I wish he was a little bit sooner in his career than at the old age of 45 or whatever he is. I, I do not believe that Tampa improved that much. And this is probably going to shock a lot of people because they're like, oh, Jameis Winston threw over 30 interceptions last year. He also threw for over 5,000 yards, and he also threw for over 30 touchdowns. And Tom Brady is coming off of a year where he did not even come close to those numbers. Uh, he's got a lot more people on his team offensively to throw the ball around, but Tom Brady is at best when he's dinking and dunking to his running backs, throwing his little short passes to Edelman, who runs little slants. Tampa is not that team, in my opinion. You've got Godwin, who wants to run deep. You've got Evans, who loves to run uh, also deep slant routes and things like that. That's not Brady's game. So I think Gronk will help him a little bit, throwing you know a little bit of a short game. But they don't have a James White. They don't have a Deion Lewis. They don't have a Shane Vereen. You know, all these guys that have helped Brady in the past. Uh, so Brady, who's getting older in age, and I believe his arm is decaying just a little bit. It's not to a point where he can't get it out there. But to have to do it uh, to a point where it's too much, I don't know if that's going to work out very well. I think Jameis Winston was actually the perfect quarterback for that system. And if he just had the eye surgery and signed with Tampa, that he could have been a really good quarterback for them. So, again, I don't think it improves him that much. But Tom Brady not throwing as many interceptions will definitely help the that team in terms of, you know, obviously the defense will have to be on the field all the damn time. So, uh, you know, it helps them, but I don't think it's as big as everyone is saying. That That's my opinion on it. I I agree with you. I have them right around a 500 team. I think they will be a little improved. Like you said, Brady needs that running back who's an explosive pass catcher who can make plays. It's not Ronald Jones. They drafted the guy out of Vanderbilt, I believe, and that was a bad pick in my opinion. It was a reach for a guy that nobody had ever heard of. He's got great weapons there. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, as you said, O.J. Howard, Cameron Braid at tight end, and now Rob Gronkowski. Bruce Arians is a great coach, but he's not Bill Belichick. Brady has been successful in New England, and a big part of his success is that defense. Every year they win, they have a great defense, and the Bucs don't have that. They did add Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota to that team on the defensive end. So he helps the, the secondary quite a bit. He's going to be an instant starter. He's going to be good. But can you tell me another member of that secondary on that team? Like, not many people can. Right. So I just don't think they're that good yet they have an okay offensive line I know they have a good passing offensive line but how good is that going to be when the run game is not open because they're terrible at run blocking I know they added Werfs in the draft we don't know what he is yet 
but Ronald Jones can't run. Like, they don't have an actual running back. I think they still have Peyton Barber, but he's not that great. So, without the running game to help that passing game, I just don't see them being that great. I've got them at an 8-8 eight and eight team. And I don't have them making the playoffs. But, since we're talking playoffs, we're going to go right into the playoff talks. We're going to each give our playoff teams. I'll give you my eight or seven AFC teams, and then you can give me your seven. And we'll discuss from there. The Chiefs and Ravens, obvious. Everyone, unless you're a Browns or Steelers fan, you're not going to have the Ravens. But I got the Chiefs, the Ravens. I've got the Colts being a very good team this year with Phillip Rivers. I like that roster. I've still got the Patriots winning the AFC East and making the playoffs. I'm seven. You don't want to hear that. Then the three wildcard teams, I've got the Broncos, the Bills, and I do have the Browns squeaking in. I think Odell Beckham gets back to where he used to be. I think adding Jack Conklin to the offensive line is going to be a huge boost to that team. And I don't think Baker can possibly be as bad as he was last year. Um, Who do you have for the playoff teams in the AFC? Uh, It's like you said, it's going to be, if you don't have the Chiefs making the playoffs, I don't feel like sports is for you because unless you have uh, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes going down with the injury within the first two or three games, there's no way that team doesn't make the playoffs and have the one seed, to be honest. The Ravens could overtake them for the one seed, but we won't get into the logistics of that. Right now, obviously, I do have the Chiefs uh, winning that division. I still have the Bills uh, winning the AFC East. I mean, I, I really like the Bills team. Josh Allen is going to be... He's such a hit-or-miss quarterback in terms of, like, what he brings to the table because he's very inaccurate, but he has a gun. He has such a gun, and he's bringing seven, 800 yards rushing on the ground with eight or nine touchdowns, like, consistently the last two years. And he just – he brings so much to the table. And then they went out and got uh, Diggs, who's, like – to me, that was one of the biggest deals in the offseason just to get Diggs because they needed that number one wide receiver, and he's definitely that guy. You got Singletary, who's – you know, I really, really like Singletary as a running back. He can do it all. Uh, they've got a really good defense. I just, I have the Bills still winning. I don't see anything with the Pats that, unless Cam Newton goes back to his MVP season, you know, their run game's not very good. Uh, I, Patriots fans don't even like Sonny Michelle. Um, their defense is still very good. They still have Belichick. You can't ever, so if the Patriots won this division, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm going to give it to the Bills this year. Um, and then we've got, and the, I have the Titans. Now, hear me out here with the Titans. I really like Ryan Tannehill as a fit for the Titans. I feel like, you know, Mariota wasn't perfect for them at all. Tannehill is definitely the guy that can lead a team like that uh, because they have Derrick Henry, who's just mashing over people left and right. They have two very fast wide receivers in Brown and Davis, who I really, really like. Their defense, very underrated. You know, they've got Butler, Vaccaro, Barr, Jackson. They have a very nice defense. I really, really like that team. Now, the Texans, on the other hand, they have probably the most talented roster on paper in that division. But you traded Hopkins, which I I still can't for the life of me get. And then you go get Cooks, who's probably going to make the same amount of money. That I, I don't understand that move. I don't understand what the Texans are doing. I think from you have to be a team from top to bottom you know, to portray yourself as a, as a prominent team. The Texans don't do that for me. I don't, I think with the talent, they can easily win the division, but to me, the Titans are just, they're there now. They're ready to rock. You know, uh, you said you've had the Colts who 
I don't think Phillip Rivers is, you know, eventually that guy's got to, <laughs> he's got to go eventually. And I think this is the year he finally deteriorates. He doesn't have the team he had in San Diego with that offense. So I don't, you know, he's got T.Y. Hilton, but how long is T.Y. Hilton going to stay healthy for the Colts? So uh, that's, that's the reason I don't have the Colts that high. And then finally, yeah, the Ravens. I mean, you've got the MVP, you've got, and what, by the way, can we talk about how the Ravens snatch up the draft and free agency and trades every single year? Like, how the hell did they get Calais Campbell for absolutely nothing? Then they get Pat, then they get McQueen, uh, who's like, I mean, he should have been gone already. I don't, I don't understand how the Ravens get so lucky every year. The rich just get richer. The Ravens are going to win that division. Then my three wild cards, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the, uh, the New York Jets. Shocker, I know. Uh, I feel like the Jets improved a ton, man. I feel like getting Perriman, who was like probably the best wide receiver statistically the last four weeks of the season, with, by the way, Jameis Winston was his quarterback, uh, which is what I'm saying, that that was such a perfect system. I don't – anyway, we'll move on. Um, and then Crowder had an amazing year. They went out and got Doxon. They drafted Mims. Herndon's going to be healthy for a full year, who was great as rookie year as a tight end. Uh, Griffin had five touchdowns as a tight end last year with Darnold when Darnold was finally getting into a groove. You still got May. For now, we still have Jamal Adams. And even though people say we don't have a secondary, Blessing Austin was, uh, according to PFF, was one of the most reliable cornerbacks in the league last year. So I feel like the Jets have pieces that people overlook. And, of course, Sam Darnold. I mean, Le'Veon Bell a full year behind an improved O-line. So definitely have them uh, making the playoffs. I'm going to have to jump on the bandwagon with the Broncos. I don't fully buy into Locke yet, but I buy into the rest of the team. Like, I love Phillip Lindsay. I love uh, what they did in the draft. They got, uh, what's his name, the wide receiver, Jerry Judy, who's Jerry Judy. just, I, I think he's the best wide receiver in that draft. Um, I, I just love what they've done. I think the, and their defense is always solid. You can never say the Broncos have a bad defense because they never really do. Um, so I do have them. And then finally, finally, the last spot, I'm going to go with the Browns, and I do not like Baker Mayfield. I don't. I think I, – I honestly just don't believe he's the quarterback of the future for the Browns. They're going to have to go and get somebody else eventually because he's a prima donna, and he's always going to be. I honestly believe he's Johnny Menzel 2.0. He's got more skill than Johnny Menzel, but he's just drama. Odell Beckham's going to be drama. I mean, he's actually been pretty quiet this offseason, but it's Odell Beckham. We'll hear from him soon. But on paper, the Browns do, in my opinion – have like the fourth best team in the entire AMC. So you can't count them out for making the playoffs. That's why I put them in the last spot. But if they go like six and 10, I wouldn't be shocked either. So those are my predictions. Yeah. All right. So um, we'll go right into the NFC then. Uh, I think the Saints are going to be pretty unanimous in the playoffs in the NFC. I think the Saints, the Cowboys, and the Packers should all be a given. Um, the Packers, as much as I hate them, every year I say they're not good, and they're good. So I'm going to say that they are good this year, hoping that they are not good. So I've got the Saints, the Cowboys, the Packers. Here's my shocker pick, and you know I am very high on the Cardinals this year. I am buying into Kyler Murray after being his biggest doubter last year. You add Hopkins to that team, you get a full year of Kenyon Drake, who looked very good in that offense. They added some pieces on the offensive line in the draft. Buda Baker was a great safety last year. They still got Patrick Peterson. I'm hoping Hassan Reddick pans out for them. He was a first-round pick a couple years ago. Just hasn't found himself. 
I like the Cardinals. Then my three wild card spots, I've got the 49ers. I think it's going to be hard for them to not make the playoffs. Um, they just have a lot of talent on that defense, especially. And then they drafted IU. Right. That's a, he's a good receiver. I think he only had one drop in his college career, so that's impressive. I've got the Falcons with that offense that's just scary now. Everyone on that offense is a first-round pick. I don't know if we've ever seen that before. And then I'm going to take my Lions as the last wild-card spot. Make or break year for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. If they do not make the playoffs, they're gone. I think we're going to see a lot of changes on that defense. They will not go strictly man, which has been a problem. Yes, we lost Darius Slay, but last year, Darius Slay was burnt toast. That dude was getting worked. Probably needed his ankles taped because he was getting broken down every play. Matthew Stafford, the comeback player of the year. Give me the Lions making the wild card. I don't know if they win a playoff game, but I think they make the playoffs. Let's see uh, yeah, I'm see. actually 100% in agreement with you, which you know probably doesn't make the greatest podcast or argument, but they're great picks. The Saints, uh, the Cowboys, the Packers, except here's where we disagree. Uh, you know how I feel about Russell Wilson. I feel like he's one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in a very long time. Um, and I, cause he has everything in my opinion, he's got, you know, he's got the right attitude. He's got the right leadership. He's got the arm. He can move in the pocket. He's, he's, he's just a leader. He's just, when you think of a leader right now in the NFL, I think Russell Wilson. So I do have the Seahawks winning that. I agree with you about the Cardinals. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to be one of the most hyped teams this year. I love Kyler Murray as well. I've been on the bandwagon since he was drafted. Now I didn't think he should have went number one, but, Hey, I mean, he proved that he's he's worth a, a high pick. Um, I love the move getting Hopkins to so he can have a weapon. They also have a lot of speed at wide receiver that they can just bomb it to, which Murray does have the arm to do that, even at 5'10 or 5'11, whatever he is. Um, then, yeah, 5'4. 5'4. Uh, the 49ers had a really good draft, <laughs> and you can't say the team that made the Super Bowl last year, who didn't even really – decline in talent or anything like that is not going to make the playoffs again. It's just hard to do that. So I'm going to say the 49ers and Cardinals and the Seahawks all make the playoffs. And then I, once again, agree with you about the Falcons. Imagine a team that basically just needed a little improvement in a lot of improvement in defense and a running back. And they go out and get a guy who got 11 touchdowns, who was previously the MVP and Todd Gurley, and no one's talking about them. And a, and, a, and a quarterback in Matt Ryan who's consistently been top five in stats for basically every season he's been in the NFL. And yet no one ever gives this team the credit they deserve. Now, I understand. I remember the Chogan Super Bowl. Trust me, I remember that personally. Um, and I know that the Falcons have never won. But you just can't say a team that has a quarterback like that and just added an MVP-type running back is is not going to compete. And and they went 7-9 last year, and they started the year – absolutely dreadful and they were a couple games from making the playoffs and they were they were just horrible so just imagine how much talent's on that roster to remain seven and nine in a very tough division by the way uh the falcons you can't can't count them out now your lions i will say this i do have them as a bubble team and i do agree that uh it's definitely make or break for them i love matt stafford as a quarterback but we like i mentioned in the dad bod uh pod group um we need to stop saying he's underrated. We need to stop saying he's, you know, like so undervalued because we're now all onto it. Everyone talks about Matt Stafford now. He's consistently in the top 10 in quarterbacks of when everyone's making their list. 
let's, you know, I, lo- I love Matt Stafford as a quarterback, but let's watch him play a year and make the playoffs and beat some good teams. And then we can start, you know, elevating him even more. He has to do that this year. And if he does do that, I would not be shocked if the Lions do make the playoffs. I will say with your Seahawks, just so there's a little debate on this podcast, I challenge anyone to tell me what position the Seahawks improved in from last year. I don't think it's a single position. They lost to Davion Clowney. Pass rush got worse. They they always do it. They try to make this pick that makes them look like a genius in the first round and it never pans out. I think they had a terrible draft. I just do not see Seattle doing it. Russell Wilson is an unbelievable talent. Probably one of the most talented QBs we've ever seen. He's an escape artist. DK Metcalf, he looked pretty good last year. Tyler Lockett, he always looked solid. That offensive line's not great. Now that pass rush isn't great. The secondary isn't great. Bobby Wagner was statistically the worst inside linebacker in coverage last year. I just don't see Russell Wilson being able to do it again this year. So just let me ask you one question. Which position in the NFL is the most important? Who's the best wait, Who's the best 100%. quarterback in that but division? In that division? Right that, that's now literally like Wilson. I know it sounds crazy to just base – my pick on that, but that's basically what I'm making my pick on because as of right now, we don't know if Kyler Murray is going to repeat. He should 100% be as good as he was last year, and now he has Hopkins. But we just, you have to go based on the consistency. You have to go based on what we know, and what we know is Russell Wilson can get it done. We haven't seen Kyler Murray yet because it's only been a year. Jimmy G is an average to slightly slightly above average quarterback but he's not the guy that's going to put up the crazy stats he's not the guy that's going to carry you with four touchdowns in a game Russell Wilson can do that uh and then obviously the Rams to me I have not been a fan of golf since he's come into this league to me he has been severely overrated and the Rams got worse at basically everything they got rid of uh Cooks Uh, I know Cup is going to be back and fully healthy they got rid of Gurley they're just to me the the Rams are going to be the worst team in that division. So, but Goff is not in the race for best quarterback in that division. So, again, just based on that, that's why I picked Seattle. Also, remember their running back door was revolving every single game last year. This year, if they can keep that stable, remember that team. No one had the, they were like two or three games back. You know, basically the entire year, and towards the end of the year, they came out of nowhere and just they basically almost won that division. So. Yeah, the one thing with Seattle, too, that we have to look at, and I know every team in that division basically has the same schedule. For our playoff teams, you and I combined, they only play against the Rams twice, the Redskins, the Eagles, and I think those are the only non-playoff teams Mm. they play this year for our playoff teams. So that's something I considered. They got a rough And before we move on, uh, we we didn't really touch base on – the uh, the Cowboys and Packers, really. Let me just say that this whole situation with Dak Prescott not getting paid and, um, you know, what's going to happen with the Cowboys now. And I know Dak just signed his tender. Um, give Dak his money. You're not going to find a quarterback better than him right now. You're not going to draft a quarterback better than him, and they're not going to be better than him for 
even if you draft somebody and you think he's going to be better, he won't be better for three, four years. Dak Prescott is a he's a right. And I mean, if you're Dallas, if you're Dallas, if you're ready to start a rebuild, no. it's not the right time. You're a couple pieces away. You had a great draft, which honestly, let's move right into that. Let's talk about the draft classes. The draft classes that I thought were the best, I was a big Broncos draft fan. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. They took Cushenberry, I think, in round three or four. He was like an early second-round prospect. That offense in Denver, the reason they're doing this is to keep up with the Chiefs, and I think they can. I'm a big Drew Locke believer. He's throwing the ball now to Cortland Sutton on one side, Jerry Judy on the other. He's got KJ Hamler, the speed guy in the slot. They still have Deshaun Hamilton at tight end. They have Noah Fant. They've also drafted Albert Aquakin or whatever from Missouri. That guy's going to be a beast. And that running back, they got Philip Lindsay. And people forget, they signed yeah. Melvin Gordon. That offense is going to be filthy. So I got the Broncos as one of my better drafts. And I think one of the consensus best drafts is the Cowboys. Getting CeeDee Lamb, unreal. Then they get Neville Gallimore. That was a great pick, too. They got Trayvon Diggs, who was a first-round graded player. And I believe they got Tyler Byatt out of uh, Wisconsin in a later round, too. He had a second-round grade from a lot of teams. So that Cowboys draft is really, really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Those, those were two really good drafts. Um, can, we, can we just go to the other side real quick, just, just to the bad draft? What were the Raiders doing? What do the Raiders ever do? And like you said with the Seahawks, why are they the worst first-round pick team ever? What The Seahawks and Raiders, I don't understand what they do half the time. The Raiders, I understand you need a one wide receiver. One, not 17. I don't understand. Like, you got Gruden for all this money, one of the highest contracts ever for a coach. And to me, it doesn't look, it doesn't look like he knows what the hell he's doing. I don't understand the Ra- you're going into Las Vegas, right? For the first year. And you're supposed to sell your team to these guys. And then your starting quarterback in car is like, eh, well, we might trade him. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, you have a terrible draft, in my opinion. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that say that, you know, you can't say that yet. Um, you got to see how they play. To me, right now, I don't think they had a great draft. I thought they reached. I thought that they needed other positions, and then they just kept going wide receiver. I, I don't understand what the Raiders did. They didn't sell their team to Vegas, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to see what happens. But I thought the Raiders had a terrible draft on the opposite side of, you know, the Broncos having a great one. I thought the Ravens had a great one, as we mentioned. And, yeah, I forgot to mention that the Broncos got Melvin Gordon when I was talking about their run game. So run game and defense in the NFL, besides the quarterback being the most important position, having a – Exactly. It's all about exactly. controlling that clock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, to go off your Raiders, Henry Ruggs was, I think he was the first receiver. Such taken. a reach. Not a good pick. And now he was in that. He was in an accident or something like the dude clearly isn't mature enough for the NFL yet. Then they take Damon Arnett in the first round. Damon Arnett is a guy who late in the draft process, people were saying, you know, like he could go mid second. He could sneak up there. They take him at pick 19. I'm pretty sure Damon Arnett was one of the oldest players in this draft. Then they take Lynn Bowden Jr., who in the NFL will not have a position. Everyone's thinking, oh, he's going to be one of those players that does everything. He's like a Christian McCaffrey. No, he is not. 
Lynn Bowden is a quarterback turned wide receiver, turned running back, turned quarterback. The dude does not have a position. He's not a big guy at all. He's not super fast. He doesn't have great hands. And then they go take Brian Edwards, who I think with this one, they were like, maybe he'll be Michael Crabtree. He's a big guy. He's got good hands. I don't get it. I agree with you. And the Raiders, their GM is the mock draft specialist, draft guy, Mike Mayock now. So you got Gruden and Mayock, two draft geniuses, supposedly, just drafting shit. It's so bad. I Tanner Muse was yeah, one of their picks, yeah. the linebacker out of Clemson. And nobody had even heard of him. He probably was going to go undrafted. But for some reason, Mayock has this obsession with Clemson guys going early. Because who was it last year? Clellan Farrell yep. went number four. That was a surprise pick. And I like Clellan Farrell. I think what they're trying to do is build a good character locker room, which I'm fine with that. Take guys that you know were in winning programs who played into a system with no problem, but you don't do that in the first round. <laughs> you, you just don't do yeah, that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, it's, oh man, if I'm a Raider fan, I am. You're already pissed off because they're leaving home to go play in Las Vegas, and you've done nothing to excite the fan base about the future of the team. The most exciting city in America is going to have one of the most boring teams in America with that beautiful new stadium that I saw just this last year. I saw it before it was even close to being done. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really nice. Like, it's a gorgeous stadium. Oh, yeah, it's going to be unreal. It's right on the south end of the Strip. It's right next to the Golden Knights Stadium. So they have everything going on right there. The Knights are an exciting hockey team. And if they go 6-10 and this year, I guarantee you that's the last you'll ever see of Carl on the Raiders. And then they're going to have to do the rebuild process all over again by getting the quarterback. Unless unless the Texans also tank and they want to get rid of Deshaun Watson, who's going to be due for a contract. And then maybe something can happen there. But that's a reach on both parts. And I'm pretty sure... After all the talk this year about wanting to trade Carr, that if they're not good this year, Carr will be gone. I tell you what, if they start off, let's say, 0-3, they trade and they tank for Trevor because then you got Mike Mayock and Gruden getting another Clemson boy and Trevor Lawrence. I think that would be their savior. You know what I mean? Like Trevor Lawrence is a can't-miss prospect, probably the best college quarterback prospect we've ever and seen. that would get them excited for the future in Vegas. That'll sell some season tickets. Oh, that would be the perfect scenario for the Vegas, especially money-wise. Like, the goal of the NFL, it's not to win championships, it's to make money. So, that would be perfect for them. Real quick, before we transition onto the NBA, though, what player that's joining a new team is going to have the biggest impact. I believe I, I discussed it a little bit, but I think uh, Diggs. I think Diggs going to Buffalo will help Josh Allen a ton. I think the one thing that the Bills were missing the most was someone that can catch the football, that can catch the football deep, short, middle, doesn't matter. Allen needed a target like him, and that's basically one of the few things they were missing. They already had a great run game. They already had a great defense. Their O-line is pretty solid. All they needed was that wide receiver, and they went out and got one of the best you can that was available. So I believe he will make the biggest impact in a division that's 100% up in the air. I would not be shocked if any team in that division won the division except the Dolphins. The Dolphins are in a rebuild. They got some nice pieces. But the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots, who's going to have the players 
you know, obviously play to the level they expect the most. And to me, shockingly, I trust the Bills to do that more so than the Jets or Patriots right now. See, I think Diggs and I think Hopkins are going to be your popular answers here. And they're great answers. Rivers will be a popular answer. I'm going to go with Calais Campbell because while the Ravens defense was nasty, their pass rush was kind of an unknown. Like, not many people could tell you who played, you know, the edge rusher for the Ravens. You add in a monster like Calais Campbell, and for the price you got him for, it's it's unreal. I don't get it. The Ravens somehow, like you said, they get better every year. How do you lose C.J. Mosley and your defense gets better? To get Campbell <laughs> for sense. a super late-round pick is disgusting. It's disgusting, and I don't think the NFL – I think the NFL needs to step in and do something about that. I'm so sick of seeing these, like, uh, you know, superstar players get traded for fourth, fifth, sixth-round picks. I think the NFL overrates their draft picks. All these owners and everything. And I understand that uh, that's how you build team. I, I understand that. But if you're not getting a top-three pick for a player that's already proven to be a top-three pick value, then what are you doing? I, I really don't understand. I understand there's money involved and things like that. Six, fifth, six, seventh, like what? What? I'm, I'm mind blown. I'm sorry. It just, it baffles me that the NFL allows this and they don't step in and do anything about it. The Patriots, for so many years, have given up such low picks for, for, for. I'm sorry. I'm just. It bothers me. I think something needs to be done about it. Honestly. Well, one of my fears, being a Lions fan, you being a Jets fan. We're a team like the Jaguars. We could be that team right. trading a great player and getting back a fifth round pick, and that would piss me off. Like we've already had and, terrible and we've lives and our teams have done that teams. year after year after year, and they still suck. There's a reason for that because you're trading proven talent for picks that could be something, and we're not those teams that can depend on the players to be that guy because we don't have the front offices and the constant coaches and things like that in place and structure to make these guys better, to make these guys come into the league at 20 years old and just be a star. We don't have that. So for us to be trading away uh, super talent for, for low picks, it just, it makes no sense. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Before you and I get too emotional, let's just move on. We're going to talk the NBA restart guys. Before we do, I want to give a shout-out to the basketball tournament, TBT. If you haven't seen it, it's a bunch of guys played college ball. Some of them played in the NBA. Joe Johnson's playing this year. It's an amazing basketball tournament. It's these guys basically playing in a men's league with refs, but it's televised on ESPN this year because of the COVID-19. They have their own little bubble. But it's just amazing, talented guys that I watched growing up and they're getting another chance to play for something with meaning. Like, a lot of them play overseas, obviously, but one of my buddies, Brandon Wood, he's playing for Team Heartfire. They've got players like Isaiah Austin, Tweedy Carter, Mark Lyons from Xavier, just college names that are recognizable. If you're a real college basketball fan, please check it out. It starts the fourth, I believe. The fourth and fifth is round one. It's a 24-team tournament. The winning team gets $2 million. Please watch it. It's it's so much fun. We went to it a couple of years ago, got to meet a bunch of the guys. We got to meet white chocolate and Mike Bibby. It's a great experience. So check it out. It, it's on ESPN and ESPN two all July. So please check it out, but let's get to the NBA restart. I personally 
I miss sports and I want basketball back so bad. You know, basketball at every level, that's my passion. I'm a basketball diehard fan. I miss it, but I think it's kind of it's kind of greedy for them to want to come back so soon, especially now all these teams are having guys test positive, but they're still planning on going to Orlando to this safe bubble. How is it a safe bubble if these guys that just tested positive are going? Like, I don't, what do you think? Do you think they're rushing it? Do you think it's right? Like, I get they need to make money, but I don't know. What do you think? It's tough because unlike, you know, the MLB who hasn't started their season yet, uh, when you're the NBA and you're, you know, 10 games away from the playoffs or whatever it is, and you're that close and you got a guy like LeBron James who's, getting to the tail end of his career, who missed the playoffs last year due to injury and the fact the Lakers weren't very good. And now you have them on the verge of possibly winning an NBA title. Um, And then all of a sudden this season would get canceled. The NBA, you know, they can't waste that. They can't waste uh, a way to sell their, their product like that. You can't waste LeBron's, you know, final years like that either. So they're in a tough spot. Um, Would I have started the NBA up again? I probably would would not have, but again, I'm not that rich. <laughs> like I'm not those guys that are losing millions and millions of dollars a day. Basically, I'm not the TV stations that signed up to broadcast playoff games and things like that. Um, there's too much money at risk, and it's too, you know, without getting too quote unquote political or too anything like that. I don't think the the COVID thing is. You know, it's a, there's a 98% chance you're going to live if you catch it. And if you're healthy and young like these athletes are and they are willing to play, then it's kind of not our say. If they're willing to play, these are the guys that are doing it, not us. We're not doing it. We're not going to the games. If they're willing to play and they're willing to, you know, they're in, they're with that money. They're making that money. They're They're selling the money for the owners and, you know, things like that. If these guys want to play, let them play. You know, it's it's basically up to the guys that are actually doing it. Our say really doesn't matter. It's only if it's basically like people going to the military. If they want to sacrifice their lives, more power to them. If these guys want to sacrifice getting sick, that's up to them. So that's how I basically feel about it. Right. And uh, they're talking about having a tournament in Chicago, I think, or Indianapolis of the eight teams that didn't make it. If they're if, if they're just playing to stay in shape, I completely disagree. You need to have there be a prize. Uh, let's say the team that wins gets a better percentage percentage of winning the draft lottery. Then, yeah, that's a great reason to do it because we're tired of teams tanking. And we'll see what teams were really tanking because they're going to want to play their asses off at the shot at that first pick. It's a better chance at it. But if they're just going to try and make money, I strongly disagree with that one because there's nothing. If they don't do the draft pick thing or make it worth something, there's no point. It's just scrimmages. yeah. That that's 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 a hundred percent like the, the way I feel about it. I when I heard about it, I was like, "What do you mean they're gonna play uh, bubble teams, whatever that didn't make the you know get invited to the playoffs? Why would you do that? You're already out. Let your draft position be set already." But at the same time, I was one complaining that I don't like you said. I don't like when teams tank to get a better draft pick. I don't think that's fair. I don't think like. If you're a bad team, you deserve penalties, not something for it. If you're an owner that 
didn't go out and spend the money needed to be a competitor. If you go out there and you just do things that aren't best for the team, you just do what's best for your wallet, then you should be punished. You shouldn't get a top pick that can turn your whole franchise around via LeBron James or, you know, Giannis or all these other players that have been drafted, you know, Zion and things like you shouldn't be rewarded for sucking and tanking. That's not, I've never been okay with that, but um, I don't think this is the year for it. Like I want something done about it, but I don't think this is the year for it because obviously of COVID and things like that. Um, Just let it run out next year. If you want to do some kind of uh, tournament when the season's over, where the team that wins the tournament of the loser bracket, quote unquote, they can get the number one pick guaranteed. That means you actually did something to earn it. You know what I mean? It would be worth, uh, you know, you didn't make the playoffs, whatever. Not every team's going to make the playoffs every year, obviously. But do something to earn that number one pick. Don't just give it to them because you're trash. And they try to do that with the lottery. But I mean, I don't even like the lottery system, if we're being honest. That's just, it's easily rigged, by the way. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's, you can, you can easily fix the NBA lottery if you wanted to. And yeah, Patrick Ewing for the have. Knicks 100% was a rigged lottery. I know it's been proven, by the way. Like, Derek yeah, Rose yeah. to the Bulls, uh, LeBron James to the Cavs, Anthony Davis to the Pelicans. Right. There's many instances where it's it's clearly been fixed to try and help benefit the NBA, which exactly. they need to make money. That's their goal. So since we're talking NBA, I'm going to talk a little bit about the teams that benefited the most from this okay. extended Same. break. The Lakers, 100%. LeBron James, like you said, the end of his career, basically. You're getting the best player in the world coming off of a couple weeks or months rest and coming in fired up trying to get that fourth ring which by the way there is no asterisk asterisk for anyone who wins this year everyone has the same advantage as everyone i'm tired of hearing that if lebron wins this ring there's no asterisk now we know people will still say it because they got to have that debate which i love the debate it gets old but the lakers definitely benefited and i think my sixers they're healthy now. Ben Simmons, he said that he is good to go. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. The dude can't shoot, but he still scores 16, 17 a game, and he shoots like 60% from the floor. Yeah, it's all at the rim, but nobody can stop him when he goes to the hole. So Philly is healthy, and I think that is a scary team, especially on paper, but that's a team, if I'm the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bucks, I don't want to play them right now. I would rather play one of the other top teams in the East just because before the season, we all agreed they were a top team in the NBA. They just didn't mesh. They had injuries and now they're healthy. So those are the two teams I really think benefited the most. Do you have the same opinion? Do you have uh, different have opinions? The same opinion about the East and a much different opinion about the West. So we'll, we'll since we have the same on the 76ers, 100%, uh, Ben Simmons was fighting a little bit of injury and bead obviously is always on and off with injuries. They supposedly are now both fully healthy and ready to rock. And that Philly is going to be a very dangerous team in the playoffs if everyone is healthy and ready to go. Because last year and this year, they're one of the most talented teams, obviously, in the NBA. So if everyone is healthy and ready to rock, Philly is going to be a fire, a firestorm, you know, just ready to happen. And in the West, I actually think the Houston Rockets, which might shock you a little bit because you know my feelings on Westbrook, the Houston Rockets yeah. play a style in the NBA now that is nonstop, back and forth, back and forth, run up and down the court, nonstop. They traded their centers away because they didn't want to freaking 
have anyone clogging up the court for them. So they got a ton of rest. And uh, Westbrook, Westbrook and Harden were both a little bit beat up. Harden was having a terrible, terrible end. Uh, for like two straight weeks, he was like shooting 29% or something like that. So this break helped Harden and helped Westbrook and helped the entire team rest up. And now when they come back out, they're going to be running and gunning like crazy the way they wanted to play basketball. So to me, the Houston Rockets are going to be a serious threat now because everything they needed to happen happened. So I, I think Houston, Houston definitely. I agree with that. Well, and if you're Houston, all you've got to do is play those eight games great and you get a little rest again. You're going to see Westbrook and Harden play 48 minutes a game and they're going to be fine. Yep. They're rested. Um, now, a team I think is going to hurt from this break, I think it's the Boston Celtics. You had Jason Tatum, who you know I'm not sold on yet, but he was playing very good ball there for the middle of the season. He has to go sit out and basically end that hot streak he had. That's a young player who was riding a high, the best ball of his career. Now he's got to start it over. Do we know if he's going to start off hot again? He could easily. But we've seen how cold he can get and how inconsistent he can be. Look at the beginning of the year. If he does that, they're right. done. Um, on the opposite spectrum to me, uh, I have the Utah Jazz who will be most hurt by everything that's happened once again because – Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were not seeing eye to eye. They were uh, just the, the Jazz in general. Like they're a team that has to be built on number one defense and number two, they're what you call a team, meaning they play like a team. They're you never hear any drama out of the Utah Jazz uh, locker room, and now they've got that. You know, um, you know. Obviously, we all know Rudy Gobert is the one that touched the mics that started the whole COVID and the NBA thing, where uh, you actually seen a player have it. Um, and he got teammates sick. He got reporters sick. So they were not happy with him. And they were talking about trading either Mitchell or go now Gobert to me is when you say, I, I think overrated and underrated is a very highly and overused words, but Rudy Gobert is an underrated player in the NBA. That man is a top 10 defensive player in the NBA and he's top 10 in per for offense, meaning he's very, very efficient. So uh, for him, for him to have you know disconnects now with players hurts. If you talk about trading that man, that's you know it doesn't help. So I think the Utah Jazz definitely, definitely got the uh, short end of the stick with the COVID thing. Yeah, and a little underrated fact about the Jazz: Joe Inglis said he will not play. He's a very underrated player on yep. that team. Who kind of, I think he's a sixth man now. He really help that team go when they needed a boost yeah i yep but i mean so give me give me your nba championship matchup and who's winning give it to uh, me i'm right gonna now. go the philadelphia 76ers and the los angeles lakers and i'm gonna have the lakers winning in six i just feel like lebron james is on a mission you know r.i.p kobe uh, a lot of things going on with the lakers behind the scenes um you know i just feel like lebron's gonna lebron's one of the most driven human beings we've ever seen in sports and he wants this championship la wants this championship i feel like and i feel like the nba wants the lakers to win this championship so there might be a couple of calls that go their way a la you know kings lakers back in the early 2000s they're just gonna there's gonna be some things oh, i'm telling man. you to look out for uh and also 
Vegas and everyone else has the Lakers winning. So, I mean, that helps their case, you know, because everyone sees them winning and uh, they were a favorite. So nothing, nothing really changed. Uh, I, Lakers will beat the 76ers, but I didn't have the 76ers before COVID. I didn't have, the, I had the Bucks. And while I don't think the Bucks suffered a lot because of COVID, I think that the 76ers getting healthy elevates them over the Bucks. We've got the same finals. Uh, I've got the 76ers and Lakers just like you. I've got it going seven. I've also got the Lakers beating my Sixers. I wanted to disagree with you so bad for the, you know, just for the harder debate, but I just think it's the Lakers year with the Kobe Bryant thing, LeBron James chasing, you know, just chasing greatness. Anthony Davis is over there. He's arguably a top three player in the NBA. They just, they want it. You know what I mean? Like Philly wants it. Philly's young. LeBron James overall is the reason why. I get Anthony Davis might be the best player on that team, but in the end, it's LeBron's team. I really like the Lakers squad. Danny Green is a proven playoff player. Rajan Rondo, proven playoff player. They've got some nice pieces there. I get Bradley's not playing, but they bring in J.R. Smith, who people are making a joke out of it. That dude can stroke. He's one of like four people over the past 10 years to have 15 points in the fourth quarter of a finals game because he can get so hot. In today's NBA, you don't need to play defense, as you know and you hate and I hate. J.R. Smith can stroke. So I'm going to take the Lakers in seven, but let's act like I said the 76ers in seven because I need that championship in my life. One one last thing, uh, and this is going to sound crazy, and I just want to bring up the Knicks for a second because I have to. Um, I think the Knicks benefited from COVID because everyone in New York was destroying Dolan and the Knicks nonstop every single day in the paper. And it's kind of slowed down, obviously, because there's been so much more to talk about. So just in that way alone, I feel like the Knicks were able to do some things like look for a coach, you know, on the down low, uh, do some things like they, they got together as like a team. You know, they did a lot of Zoom calls together and they grew as a team by not even playing. They didn't have to play in front of the fans getting booed every single night. They didn't have to worry about uh, going into the offense and seeing Dolan or a coach they didn't like. They just, as players, gathered together, and, you know, they got stronger. R.J. Barrett took a leadership role. There's a lot of things he was doing. Um, So I think the Knicks were a team that actually were a top three team to benefit from this because when we come back and there's going to be playoff basketball, the Knicks will be on the back burner, and hopefully – there was something settled like a head coach and things like that when we move into next season. So uh, we just, I basically, that's just my hopes guys. When, when I speak about my teams, like I am a New York Knicks fan, I speak on hope, not based on things that will happen because most likely what's going to happen is the Knicks are going to hire a horrible coach. Dolan's still going to be there and we're going to be terrible again next year. So. The Knicks are going to hire Keith Van Horn as their head coach. You know what? what, It wouldn't even be worse than what we have now. Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're not wrong so um do you want to get us into the mlb because i know you're a big baseball guy all right so yes we go your from sport. uh your neck of the woods your uh, bread and butter to my bread and butter major league baseball is coming back on july 24th and they have already started uh yesterday you know their start for quote-unquote spring training they already started spring training in march uh before covid hit so there's just going to be like two weeks of you know getting familiar again with uh, you know, the team and, and lineups and things of that nature. Um, let's get into 
what I think about baseball restarting again. Um, I, just like you, love sports. I want sports back. And I don't believe baseball, a league that did not start yet, should have restarted again. As much as – oh, should have started, I should say. Um, I wanted baseball back 100%. This is me being selfish. But in terms of, like, you didn't have a league yet, you don't, you're not really forced to do it. Uh, you don't have the things like the NBA who basically were already in the playoffs, the NHL who were already basically in the playoffs – you didn't have to do anything. Um, the MLB did not have to restart or start, I should say, as I keep saying restart because every other league was restarting. Um, but they are. And as long as like, like Mike Trump doesn't die because he got COVID, uh, it's not going to be <laughs> the end of the world. So let's get into what people are saying about MLB. Who's the favorites? Who's going to win MVP? Do... These stats even matter. Do if someone hits 400, if someone has a 1.5 ERA and they break the records, are these going to be considered as records? Um, let me just start off and say that Major League Baseball has a long history of asterisk, and the Houston Astros literally cheated <laughs> yes. to win the World Series. The New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox were also caught cheating. The Black Sox back in the 1900s were caught cheating. It's called the Black Sox scandal. Look it up if you don't know what it is. Pete Rose was banned because he was betting on his own team and against his team. He was doing both. Um, you know, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmeiro, the steroid era in baseball, the strikes in baseball. There, there's been so many things in baseball that have been, and this year, the juice ball era where it was scientifically proven that MLB was juicing the baseballs that when they got caught, they took it away in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, pitchers can pitch again. So um, there's a lot of asterisks in baseball. So when this season does happen, I really don't want to see anyone saying, oh, you want a World Series in a 60-game year? It doesn't mean anything. It means just as much as every other World Series because every other World Series possibly has an asterisk that we don't know about. So let's just calm that down. But what do you think about uh, you know, asterisk and things like that in, in Major League Baseball for the season? I agree with you 100%, which I know it's boring for topic, but baseball is probably the sport that's had the most scandals. Um, I mean, the teams that are playing, like in basketball, they all have the same advantage. I do like this baseball schedule, how it's shorter, because baseball right. is such a long sport. I think baseball might look to cut it down quite a bit because of this. If it's successful and the, the viewers are up, which they will because there's nothing else on, they're going to look into this like real hardcore. I don't have a lot to say. Like I'm not a huge baseball fan. I follow baseball. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I personally think that Acuna is going to be the MVP. I, I like him a lot. He's a young dude. The Braves are a fun team to watch. Honestly, um, Acuna for the NL for the AL. I kind of have a sleeper pick. I think that it's going to be Francisco Lindor. Um, I think the Indians are going to surprise a lot of teams this year. I think they're going to be good. I know they got rid of Kluber, but I just, I don't know. There's something about that team. Like how I was with the Twins last year. I told you I thought the Twins would just be very good looking at their roster, seeing those names. I have that same feeling with the Indians this year. So MVP, NL Acuna and AL Lindor. So I will say that uh, Francisco Lindor is probably a top, 
10 player in major, not probably, he is a top 10 player in Major League Baseball. So that's actually a really good pick. Acuna indeed is, uh, I, w- I would say up and coming, but he's already here. Like he's, he, the man almost went 50-50 last year. Like uh, he's definitely going to be in the running because the Braves are a very good baseball team. Um, so neither of those picks are bad at all. Whether you've watched baseball or not, those are amazing picks. Um, for my AL and NL MVP, I'm going to say in the AL. Now I would pick Mike Trout, and uh, in later podcasts, things like that, when we go deeper into baseball, you'll understand that I feel Mike Trout is an overrated player, not because of what he does, but because of how people rate him. We'll talk about that. And again, I know I said people use that word a lot, but this guy really is. But Anyway, um, I would pick Mike Trout, but there's a rumor that he's not a rumor. His wife is pregnant and she's going to have a baby within a small 60 game season. So I don't know if he's going to miss a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, because again, if he has a baby and there's COVID around, I don't know if he's going to want to play. And then all of a sudden, oh, I have a newborn baby at home. If the baby gets sick, the baby is huge at risk. So I don't know how that's going to work out. So I can't pick Mike Trout to win the MVP because of that. I'm going to say the AL MVP is going to be Aaron Judge. I think he's going to have a bounce back year and a very short season. I know he's battling injury right now, but if he plays a majority of the 60 games, the power, the defense, the arm this guy has, the base running, he, he does everything great. So I feel, and I feel like he's pissed off because he was talking to the, he was talking crap to the Astros about, you know, asterisk this, asterisk that you cheated us. And then, there was a letter that the New York Yankees got that's sealed that they don't want to open because apparently they also cheated. And Carlos Correa posted on Twitter and said, wait, what? Which is what Aaron Judge said when he found out the Astros. So there's a little thing going on there. I feel Aaron Judge is going to be pissed off. He's going to want to prove that all his injuries and all his you know past, if he cheated or not, uh, he's going to want to prove it. And people forgot how good Aaron Judge was because he got hurt. The man almost hit 60 home runs in a season, and he's playing in Bambox Yankee Stadium on a team that can possibly win 50 of the 60 games. You know, they got Garrett Cole, things like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say Aaron Judge for the AL, which I wouldn't say super sleeper, but not a lot of people are saying that. And for the NL, man, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say Bryce Harper wins the NL MVP. Uh, he's already won the MVP before. He finally got accustomed to Philly. He was basically sucking up to the Phillies fans all year long. They love him now. Um, I feel like he's, you know, he's he's settled in and he wants to win. He's like, he's one of those players that play passionately. And he's one of the few in Major League Baseball that does that. Baseball, MLB, Major League Baseball, the reason they struggle in ratings, the reason they struggle to uh, get to the, the younger crowd is because every time someone does something with passion or flips a bat or does something, all the old heads, they say, you can't do that. That's that's the unwritten rules. You can't, you know, you can't show off. You're gonna get a, a a ball to the head and things like that. And I'm one of those guys. I always feel if you flip your bat, that's fine. That's your right. You go ahead and you show off. But I will drill you in the back if the next at bat because you showed me up. I'm gonna show you up. That's just how, uh, you know, basically older men think. I would say, and then the younger kids are like, "No, nah, I'm gonna show up. You do what you want to do." Uh, so there's a, you know. Butting, butting of heads when it comes to what should happen, the unwritten rules of baseball to me, which are, you know, you can we can argue about that all day long. Um, but yeah, so Bryce Harper, who's motivated, ready to rock, also plays in a band box stadium in a, in a shortened season. 
Uh, he's an OBP magnet. The man gets on base every single game. Uh, and he plays, you know, a solid defense in Philly. And he's ready to rock. So we're going to go Bryce Harper. And we're going to go Aaron Judge for the MVPs. Now, the Cy Youngs, which this is the part that's tricky when it comes to asterisk and things like that. If you're a Jacob deGrom or, you know, someone like uh, Matt Scherzer or Garrett Cole, you know, Justin Verlander, within a 12-game stretch every season, these guys have below two ERAs. That's how they have mid-two ERAs for the full season. Um, one of these guys is going to have like a 1.11 ERA, which is going to be one of the lowest, if not the lowest, I don't know about like before 1940s, but the lowest ERA in the history of baseball. And it's going to be hard to say that because you pitch 12 games, which is if you play a 60 game season and you have a five man rotation, each starting pitcher, if you have five should pitch 12 games, um, if that happens and you pitch 12 games and you have a 1.11 ERA or something like that compared to guys who pitched 35 games in the past, that's the part that's going to be hard to sell people on. Like, no, you can't do that. And uh, you know, that I already hear it. You know, they're, they're going to say, you can't say this guy's the best ever when he had a 1.11 ERA because he only pitched 12 games. And, and I'm, I, I can see the argument now and I probably agree with it, but there's an MLB season. It's not the, it's not the player's fault. You know, uh, you can say he had the best 12 game stretch in history. If you don't want to say the best in MLB history, if you want to say that, um, I'm going to go Jacob DeGrom though, because he's already won it the last two years and he's the best pitcher in the national league. Scherzer's very, very good. He's really close, but he gives up a lot of home runs. And I feel like when you give up a lot of home runs in a shortened season, your ERA is going to get a little bit bloated because of it. You don't have an extra, you know, 30 games to level it back out, which is also a thing you can use on the opposite side of them only pitching 12 games. If you have one bad game in those 12 games, your ERA is over two already. So if you have a 1.11 ERA in 12 games, that means you pitch good every single game and never had a bloop, never had a, you know, something like that. So uh, we're going to go Jacob DeGrom, and then I'm going to go Garrett Cole in the American League. I also have Garrett Cole as my Cy Young. That's the perfect situation for him. That Yankees team is unreal. They're just, you know, they're good. Like, every year the Yankees are good. My NL, I'm going to go a little off the board here. I'm going to go Aaron Nola with the Phillies. I think the Phillies and the Braves are the best two teams in the NL right now. They have great rosters. They can hit the ball. The pitching for Phillies I know isn't great. Pitching for the Braves isn't that great. But I think Nola is going to be a very, very good pitcher this year. And Garrett Cole, like we said, the Yankees are just – they're a force to be recognized. Which is why I have the Yankees winning the World Series over the Braves. So the Yankees over Braves are World Series, huh? Wow. Um, yep. I, the Braves starting pitching is very weak. Um, in a division like the NL East, which is loaded with starting pitchers, the Braves are the team that doesn't have that. Uh the Mets, Phillies, and Washington Nationals, the reigning uh, World Series champions, um, they have pitching. And pitching in a shortened season will dominate over offense. The Braves have the opposite. They have the offense, but they, to me, do not have the pitching. They've got guys that had four or five ERAs in their rotation. Um, they do have Soroka, who's very good. Uh, if it wasn't for Pete Alonso, 
he probably could have got the uh, rookie of the year last year. You know, Max Freed. Uh, but are you really – and they have no one in the rotation like uh, old-school Tom Glev and Greg Maddox that you could depend on. They have absolutely no one. Like, okay, this is the wild card game. Uh, we need one guy to win the game for us. They don't have a guy out there that can win it. We're in game seven of the a, uh, the NL, uh, NLCS right now, one game away to go in the World Series. They don't have that guy to go out there and say, bam, this is the guy. The Phillies have, like you said, Aaron Nola, even maybe a Zach Wheeler now who left the Mets to go to the Phillies. The Nationals, you can go Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, the World Series MVP. The Mets, you can go Jacob DeGrom. I mean, every other team has that guy in the NL East. The Braves do not. So I don't even have them winning the division, to be honest. So I don't have the Braves making the World Series. When it comes to the American League, I do have the Yankees uh, going. I have the Yankees beating the Astros in the uh, ALCS. However, I just want to talk about the White Sox real fast. I believe the White Sox make the wild card this year. I think the White Sox have a very, very solid young team. Uh, and they have the RBI leader last year in Jose Abreu. And now he's going to have a full year of, well, a full 60 game year of uh, Jovan Mancada and Luis Robert, who's one of the best young players in the game today. He's fast. He's, he's a 5-2 player. Um, the White Sox are going to be, and Lucas Giolito is uh, back and fully healthy, ready to rock. Um, they have a really decent bullpen. I'm telling you right now, watch out for the White Sox in the American League. And in the National League, the Cincinnati Reds have one of the most potent offenses in the National League. They've got uh, Aristides Aquino, who, again, was also in the running for Rookie of the Year. When he came into the league, he broke the record. He had 11 home runs in 17 games. And Cincinnati is another bandbox stadium. So they got Aquino. They went out and got Mike Moustakis. Uh, they're bringing in a Japanese player who supposedly is mini Ichiro, and people are projecting he's going to hit like 330 every year. So we'll see what that's all about. Uh, Urano Suarez almost beat out Pete Alonso for the home run uh, crown last year. Um, the Reds have and Joey Votto. Don't forget the always consistent Joey Votto. He had a pretty bad year last year, but he's an on-base machine. He's a professional. Um, the Reds are going to be a really, really solid team, and they can very easily win that NL Central this year. So I think the Reds and the White Sox are my two shockers uh, from each, you know, each league to make the playoffs. But like I said, my World Series is going to be the New York Yankees and my team from the National League that's going to make it. Hate to say it, but it's the LA Dodgers. And the LA Dodgers got Mookie Betts back. Back. They've got Mookie Betts from the Boston Red Sox. Um, they still have got Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, uh, you know, Corey Seeger, Gavin Lux, Jock Peterson, who they actually traded away, but the Angels muffed the trade, so he's back. Uh, they've got, and then again with the pitching rotation, you know, Clayton Kershaw on a very shortened season could be one of the most dangerous pitchers ever. You give Kurt Kershaw just 12 games, that man could have one of some of the best stats we've ever seen. So uh, if he's healthy and ready to go, Clayton Kershaw is in the running for the Cy Young as well. Uh, yeah, so I have the Dodgers and the Yankees in the World Series, which is what baseball probably wants because it'll have the two biggest markets in the country in New York and L.A. Um, and then the Dodgers could try to, after getting robbed, basically, by the Astros, uh, in the 17 World Series, this is their chance to possibly win, you know, win it back. So that's my prediction for the World Series and Major League Baseball. I just want to say with Kershaw, because there's rumors the Red Sox cheating also, the Astros cheating. How different does his career look if he has those oh, two yeah. World One, Series? Oh, yeah, 1,000%. However, 
Clayton Kershaw didn't help himself because Clayton Kershaw versus the St. Louis Cardinals, which is where most of the damage was done in his career in the playoffs, the Cardinals were his daddy. They basically were the Yankees to Pedro Martinez. Uh, he, when it comes to having the gene of being clutch, Clayton Kershaw is basically Peyton Manning, where they have the greatest stats of all, you know, in the regular season. But once they get to the playoffs, it looks a little murky. Actually, for Kershaw, it's very, very, very murky. At least Peyton Manning has two Super Bowl rings. Kershaw doesn't have that. So, you know, Kershaw, to be fair, yes, facing the Astros and the Red Sox back-to-back, that one guaranteed cheated and one in the Red Sox was caught cheating, but we don't actually know if they were cheating in the World Series. They probably were, but we don't have the 1,000% proof. So, you know, again, Clayton Kershaw's biggest woes happened also before the World Series as well. So if he, you know, would have fixed that, <laughs> then he would probably be the best pitcher of all time. Because if he had those two World Series rings, I would, I should say, and then, you know, fixed a little bit in the, you know, NLCS and NLDS, trust me, Kershaw would be probably considered the best pitcher of all time. So that's, that's how it would change if he had two World Series rings. All right. Well, let's get to the NHL, which I'm not a huge NHL guy. Um, this year, more than previous years, I followed a little bit more. Just I was trying to get more into the, like all the sports so I could talk with everyone, you know, like reach out to every fan base. You know a little more about how they're starting. Do you want so to go over that? So the a NHL bit? is running a – they invited 24 teams to the playoffs, and they did their NHL draft where, to me, it was like the NHL – I'm not going to say they dropped the puck per se, but they had a draft for the NHL without knowing the final results of the playoffs. And they do a lottery system as well. So – to me, everything was pretty confusing, but they did talk about it on draft night, what they were going to do, how when teams get eliminated from the playoffs, what their percentages and things like that are. Um, their playoff system, to me, is going to be very interesting because just like the NBA, there's a lot of teams that weren't going to make the playoffs that are now in the playoffs. And a team like uh, the New York Rangers, who were getting – they were extremely hot. They won like 15 of 18 games. They were – and they were a no-go for the playoffs. Like, there was no chance in hell they were making the playoffs until late in the season when they had that surge. So a team like that who got extremely hot now gets into the playoffs, and they're, they were hot. So they probably suffer from, you know, the COVID thing because then, obviously, they're not as hot. Um, so, yeah, there are teams like that that definitely benefit from all this. And when they start up again at the end of July, that's July 31st was the day that they said they were going to start back up again. Um, when everything starts, it's directly hitting into the playoffs. There's no, like, the NBA where they're going to play some regular season games to get back into it. 100% bam, right into the playoffs, which is going to be very interesting. And, you know, a lot of teams like, you know, the Boston Bruins, um, who have a lot of uh, history in the playoffs and things like that, are going to benefit as well because there's nothing really to go off of the past three months, obviously. They didn't play, so you got to go based on, you know, who's coaching, uh, who's the veterans on the team, things like that. And the Boston Bruins, in my opinion, are going to make the Stanley Cup because they have a mixture of young players, veteran players that have been in the playoffs basically almost every year they've been there. Um, and then I'm going to say the St. Louis Blues make the Cup again because, again, they went through this. They were in last place in February last year. 
and they went all the way to the cup and won it. So now they're going to go through another thing where, you know, and they were much better this year than they were last year. They were never in last place this year. Uh, they have the, you know, the experience, they have the history now that they've actually finally won a cup. Um, and I say they're hungry and want to go back. And then I'm don't want to say this, but I have the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley cup and it's going to torture me because I can't stand Boston sports, but they're just, I mean, they're one of the top scoring teams in the NHL and you know, they're one of the best teams that, you know, their goalie is one of the best in the league when it comes to allowing goals in. So when you have both of that, it's going to be the goalie that's the hottest in the playoffs. And I feel like with the mixture of experience, the Bruins simply, they overcome. They just, they're just going to be the best team in the, in the NHL, unfortunately. Now, like I said, hockey is not my go-to, but from watching the games I did watch this year, the Philadelphia Flyers really captured my attention, especially later in the season. They finished the, I guess the season we would call it 14 and four. So if they can continue that hot streak, they're a dangerous team in the West. I'm going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights. I just think that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to take over games in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Phillies and the Golden Knights, not the Phillies, the Flyers and the Golden Knights. And I'm going to take the Flyers to take the cup this year. Just like I said, when I was watching them play the few times I did, they were a beautiful team to watch. They played together. Everything worked perfectly for them. And I'm going to say that they will keep the hot streak going and they will take the East Vegas will take the West and I'm taking the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup okay just um like I said I know obviously uh neither of us really are the uh hockey is probably fourth on both of our list on you know the four major sports in America right now that uh we watch but I will say this about the Flyers the Flyers haven't won a cup since 1975 and that team chokes constantly. The Flyers are always that team that everyone's like, oh, the Flyers, the Flyers are going to be great. The Flyers, this, the Flyers, that. And every time I see them in the playoffs, they wind up choking. So to me, until they prove, which again, every team's going to do it eventually, until the Flyers prove consistently this year in the playoffs, like they have to not sneak by in the first round, not, you know, they have to show me that they're ready to rock because they're, not supposed to be this good right now because they were kind of in a little rebuilding process as well. And they just, you know, they have a really, really young team and they're probably a top five future dynasty. Like they have so many young players and so many draft picks that like, they're going to be very good for a long time. I just don't think now is their time. They would have to prove it immediately that they would be in contention. For, but the according to Vegas and according to a lot of people, the Flyers are that team that, you know, could do it. So that's not a out of the world pick at, by any means. So, but yeah, that, that's pretty much yeah, uh, all I got to say about the NHL. Yeah. So guys, um, we hit over an hour. We we're going to try and say an hour, but we like to talk. So I'm fine with that, but we just want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to the first ever episode of the dad pod. Like I said earlier, go on Facebook, join the dad bod sports discussion page group. And talk with us. Every day we're on there, we're just talking shit to each other. We're debating sports. And it's out there. Like, we go the past. We go the present. We go the future. We'll debate anything you want. Just no politics. No trolling. And don't get personal with people. It's that simple. But 
we're going to get out of here, guys. Thank you again. Um, I'm and Scott. I'm Glenn. And stay with God. He gave you the bod. Thanks, guys.